0: Hello and welcome to the Forums podcast for Wednesday the 11th of March and joining me on this edition are banana ruler of the world Steve Withers. Fly a plane, yes. Land a plane, no. And audio reviewer Ed Selly.
1: X never ever marks the spot.
0: So Mr Harrison Ford cheats death by landing his aeroplane in an emergency. Uh, he's a little bit battered and bruised but that seems to be about the extent of the injuries. Uh, there was for a small time, uh, guys, uh, a window of oh no, not another one of our childhood heroes about to go. But it looks like he's uh, he's turned it around.
1: Yeah, it's a
2: bit of a relief that because it could have really buggered up the Star Wars films if he'd gone and killed himself in a plane crash.
1: Um, no, I still reckon they. I still reckon they're going to get shot off all of the original cast members in the first film. Do
2: you? Yeah. Mm. Well, like a, like a mass killing at the end, like at the end. Of the I God told farm, you it's gonna <laughs> be,
1: they're going to be slaughtered in their in their Jedi old people's home or whatever it is they're actually in, and then they can crack on with people that you know don't don't make noises when they move Um, not least because there are going to be expensive things people to have kicking around i mean okay i know that mark hammer is mainly sort of voice over stuff and i I don't know how well that pays and carrie Carrie fisher is just doing is is doing family guy but nonetheless (laughs) nonetheless it's I i just think that they're there to do a solemn handover ish and then they'll crack on
0: you heard it here first so we're calling it Family Guy now are we <laughs> well whatever <laughs> do, do you think at that moment where the engine was, was starting to cut out you know and it's splattering and he's thinking oh shit and then in the back he's said, because it's Harrison Ford in the back he's head, he head you got the
1: I don't know to i to
2: closer scrapes than this don't worry about it <laughs>
1: he's supposed to be a pretty well-respected pilot. He's not, yes. uh, he's not, an, he's no amateur at this. As I understand it, he, uh, whenever they have to, you know, do search and rescue for people that wander off into the middle of bloody nowhere, um, in the sort of gap between Los Angeles and Las Vegas, he normally volunteers, as I understand it. And he's, yep. he, he's, he's regarded as, as, as being a, a pretty good stick man. So, um, You know, I'm I'm delighted that he's uh, that. You know, the whole the old adage: any landing you walk away from um, is a good one.
0: Yeah. done that. Although uh, he was stretched off and I, I don't know if you saw the tweets but the tweets were really funny where he was in Carbonite uh, the, uh, I
2: saw yeah there were some really clever ones on uh, on B, B3TA and the one where they're stretching off in Carbonite was brilliant.
0: Yeah that was really funny and that was only like an hour after it had happened. Yeah well. they, did, they did one where he's
2: piloting you know he's in the cockpit of the Millennium Falcon with Chewie and then um, in the back of the Millennium Falcon it's the scene from Airplane when the plane's doing all the stuff it's, it's some really good stuff
0: he obviously knows Southern California really well because he thinks, "Shit, I'm I'm going to crash my plane. Where should I go? Uh, golf course? Bound to be loads of surgeons and doctors there. Help me out." <laughs> It is true. It is true. And it was uh, it was an old World War Two plane as well. So kudos to the guy. I mean, he's uh, it wasn't a modern um, light aircraft. It was an actual historic World War Two two seater trainer, wasn't it? So. Yeah. He's proving
2: indestructible after breaking his leg on the set of Star Wars last year, and now surviving his crash. What next for Harrison Ford? Maybe he'll be able to recover his career. Oh. oh. He's got a long way
1: left to fall.
2: Oh, then, when did he last do a? a when was the last time Harrison Ford made something that you thought oh, I really
1: want to see that? Um uh. I don't know. I, there are films that I have subsequently seen him in. I was expecting very little and I thought he was quite good. He, he, he popped up in Anchorman 2 recently, um, a year or two ago,
2: which was okay. I mean he did. Raiders, um well sorry, Dar Jones and the Crystal Skull, which is bloody awful. You know, he's doing Blade Runner 2 now, and that's creepy. I mean, That's a film he hated. <laughs> hated filming hated didn't want to talk about it for years and now he's doing the sequel which sounds like a bit of barrel scraping to me
1: admittedly it is five years old so it's not exactly recent but I thought his turn as that old news anchor bloke prior to Anchorman two, ironically in um, More Than morning glory a yeah. tremendously unsuitably named film for the uh, for English speaking world But you know, <laughs> I, th- I actually thought that I thought he was quite good in that you know I'll, I'll put my cards on the table fair
2: to say he's not the star he once was
1: oh, well, yeah but Ultimately, of you know, how old is he now?
0: Christ must be 72. 17.
1: So, how many of how many? Seven, I mean, if we basically you're talking Clint Eastwood stopped at pretty much the right time, although not actually before, I mean, he he picked up at the end, but he did some mm, intermittently crap stuff in the middle. <laughs> Um, and I, then... I
0: just think everybody's career is the same you know? you're know. you going to have your high points and you're going to have your checks that pay the bills Yes, and every actor in fact every career will be like that no matter what you do you're going to have your, your years where you're just coining it in and, and you're the best thing since sliced bread and then the rest of the time it's just going to be a wage
1: and if I had to suddenly I don't know, pay for the repairs of a 60 year old training aircraft I'd sign up for Blade Runner 2
0: yeah, I mean, look at a guy, what a guy I mean, Han- Ford. Yeah, just cheats death just like that He was knocking on a bit when he made
2: Star Wars, is not he, really? There was no spring chicken even then What, the uh, original he, one? Yeah, Dude, he the was the a, maths in my head quickly uh, He was like he
0: was in his 30s. 35
2: when yeah. Star Wars came out
1: But he needed to be 35 well, yeah, so yeah, I mean, not have been a child And I mean that by someone younger than me
2: Oh, I remember he was in Expendables 3, wasn't
1: he? Yeah, that's not exactly a highlight either. Although I think I'm going to have to buy a copy because that has Atmos, doesn't it?
2: Uh,
0: Yes, yes. And as
1: far as I'm concerned, it's the least worst of the current options.
0: (laughs) Yeah, if you want an an Atmos system, you have to punish yourself at the moment. It's just just how far do you want to punish yourself?
2: I've got John Wick with an Atmos soundtrack, and that is a movie I quite enjoyed. Actually, I thought it was quite good. Transformers, yeah, definitely. Expendables three, okay. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Eh. Um, today, Mockingjay Part One arrives, so that's my fifth uh, Atmos movie. And at the end of the month, Gravity comes out,
1: which I am genuinely looking forward to. Just think, you you could probably keep pace with this quite easily and own every Atmos film ever made. That's my plan.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, he did that with
2: 3D, didn't he? For a period of time, and then eventually, I gave up. He'd let go of that balloon eventually. You, weren't, you weren't
0: the only one that gave up on that. <laughs> uh, right, anyway, uh, so Harrison Ford, he's still with us. We're all still uh, extremely happy about that and uh, hope he uh, recovers quickly. So let's look at what we can win um, this week, Steve, because yeah. you don't talk enough on these podcasts, so we need to get you to do this bit.
2: Well, let's be honest, you've only got two people to choose from, haven't you, really? <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, I did, that last week, I think. So Yeah, exactly. Was yeah. last week, didn't
2: it? Anyway, it's the same prizes as last week, in fact, so we could just play last week's tape. All right, okay. Um, <laughs> just Q <cue> Hodge. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a Thermaltake Core X9 PC case from Scan, which uh, the competition runs till the 31st of March. So you've got plenty of time for that one still. And also two pairs of Soundmagic P30S headphones, which we know from Ed are excellent. I think they are worth about um, sixty pounds each. Seventy pounds. Uh, well, there you go. Mm. And um, that's twentieth of April. That runs still so you got bags of time on that one too. So um, there will be another competition uh, prize coming very soon this week. I think for three copies, it will be available of the Blu-ray of the film, "The Necessary Death of Charlie Countryman," starring Shia LaBeouf. Speaking of um, Crystal Skull, and uh, no,
0: we didn't. We didn't mention Crystal Skull. I, Don't I did mention it briefly. I, <laughs> <very laughs> I did briefly mention it. Yeah. Um, it. I, but, I must uh, have wiped that from my mind, didn't, Steve. <laughs>
2: Yes, that that's going to be a competition prize, too, uh, very soon, probably this week. but Probably by the time uh, this podcast goes up, it will be up on the site. So not a massive amount, but some good prizes there. Um,
1: worth winning. So enter, guys, enter. I keep reading the thermal take. I've been doing so much work. I think Scandinavian- it's thermal cake whenever I look at no, it. No, I, I, I re- I'm having more of a Sc- Scandinavian issue at the moment. Keeps keep th- seeing it as themaltike, which <laughs> is probably not the same thing. It was like, you know, spudgy like spudulike. <laughs>
0: All right, okay, let's move on to hardware news and let's um, sandwich it between um, some Ask the Idiot's questions. So let's go and Ask the Idiot question first of all, and uh, this one suits Ed right down to the ground. Uh, I have a new AVR, but there doesn't seem to be a connection for a phono stage or a ground lead. How do I connect the turntable to the AVR?
1: This is an answer of two halves, Brian. Most turntables, that is to say the overwhelming majority on sale, do not have a phono stage built into them. So for connecting the vast majority of turntables to AVRs in this situation with no phono stage, you're looking at an external phono stage, which just sits between the turntable and the AV receiver and boosts the signal up to something which is going to work properly with with the AV amplifier. That is also going to take care of your ground at the same time. They all... Um, I, I don't recall ever encountering a phono stage which didn't have a ground connection on it. Yep. So if you uh, need, if you don't have a phono stage built into the turntable, uh, that's your logical option. External phono stages go from about forty pounds and up. Uh, and when I say up, um, there are examples in the in 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 the mid teens of thousands. If the uh, if if you really decide to go all out, phono stages have to do something very, very complicated. They're taking a, a tiny, tiny signal and they are... If you wanted to make... It's not a de- technically correct comparison, but if you think... It's like trying to upscale a, a, a John Logie Baird 120-line picture image to 4K. You've got to take... I mean, if you're talking moving coil cartridges, my moving coil cartridge has 0.3 millivolts output and no amplifier is going to get is going to work desperately well with anything less than a volt. So the amount of actual signal ramping is is pretty large, and you have to do that without introducing noise or other nastiness. So it's one of those things. It's a simple it's a simple um, process that it has to do, but the actual mechanics of doing it are are pretty involved. So. No, there is obviously a lot of diminishing returns set in big time on this, but nonetheless, it's one area where it does. It, you know, there are dividends to spending a bit more, and there are more ways than one to skin a cat. I mean, if you're a valve amp user, and I dare say that there aren't too many of them on the podcast, there are pros pros and cons to actually using a two stage process where you boost the signal using a, a passive coil, which sounds like a contraceptive, but it isn't, and then going to a moving magnet phono stage which is, needless to say, fairly expensive, but extremely, extremely effective. I did say it's an answer of two parts, and this is specific because actually the turntable uh, I've just reviewed and is waiting in the wings in the AB Forms content system has a phono stage on board. So it will send a line-level signal to an amplifier without a phono stage, which is brilliant, except that it still needs to ground. So that's more complicated. So if you don't have an amplifier with a ground, you have two options, really. A number of manufacturers will quite happily admit if, if there is a, gra- a point on the chassis which will act as a ground on your product. Uh, there are a number of products where that is the case. Otherwise, uh, there are aftermarket ways and means of, of just adding a little sort of grounding point to to anything with a three a three pin mains connection on it. So that's a very specific. Issue if you've actually just bought a turntable with a with a phono stage on board, and and that we will we'll still need to ground. But there aren't that many of those, to
0: be fair. Thank you, Ed. That was quite comprehensive. <laughs> it was. That was, was all professional. Very comprehensive. Yeah, we're doing something wrong here. Uh, yes, we're doing something wrong. <laughs> I've just switched
1: over to autopilot. As I say, I, I was explaining beforehand. I am somewhat sleep deprived at the moment. Yeah, so, and and you're so, not
0: you're not in the lavatory, even though it sounds echoey. You're you're sitting somewhere else.
1: I'm sat. I'm not. I am indeed not sat on the throne. Um, I'm. I'm. I'm sat in the conservatory. It's jolly nice.
0: Okay, let's move on. And uh, LG announced their TV lineup last week. Uh, Steve, you went along to this at Mercedes Benz World. Did you get to drive some Mercedes? I did not.
2: Very disappointingly, I got to see some quite nice looking classic Mercedes that were on display in mercedes world which was quite cool um but no, there was no driving in mercedes unfortunately
0: so, so you go all the way to mercedes world and you don't even get to drive a car no so. i mean i did
2: wonder why they were holding it at mercedes world when their offices were in slough which obviously would have been significantly more convenient for me um coming from from the west country but um it turned out the reason that they were there i was also thinking like because sony are very near oh you could see them they were over the road i thought well, why are you holding an event opposite Sony's offices but it turns out they're about to move offices to a, a big new building that's just been built um, in the same area and that was why they were holding it there so they could show us their new offices at the same time not actually go inside but just show us you know literally point at them <laughs> go, that's on your offices over there all oh, right okay um that was one <laughs> of the reasons yeah, it seems like a strange place to pick, but I have been there before. I was there for an event with uh, Panasonic. I, I've have, been uh,
0: there, Steve, ever since I, I started in this trade. Um, and that place was built. There's been launches there. <laughs> I've lost count how many times I've been there. Let's let's count how many times I've gopped at that gull wing door. Um, Mercedes mm, as you walk mm, in. Mm, mm,
1: mm. What the fifties one, the three hundred SL. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> a mighty, mighty. Car. Oh, mil- yeah,
0: million million pound cool.
1: easy. Depends on the her- depends on the provenance. Um, it is also it's exciting and, and al- almost unique in the annals of classic cars, where it's one of the, one of I think only two or three examples where the car with the roof is worth more than the convertible.
0: No, Ed, you're being too helpful again. <laughs> Let's back it off a bit. <laughs>
1: I'm actually, I'm just sorry, I'm, I'm, I I'm be, uh, be prompting Why I'm just looking you. Why the useful
2: information at, today instead of you, I'm, uh, you're just full of bollocks?
1: Pro- sorry, well, I, I'm, I'm looking at some of the thread, the, uh, posts coming in on the uh, uh, Apple conference thread on the Yes, forums. we'll, we'll come, we'll come to that a in a rich, minute. A rich vein of angry.
2: <laughs> anyway. A rich vein of vitriol pouring across the internet. Anyway, uh, LG. <laughs> yeah, so the reason I was there was not to look at. Uh, Mercedes cars. The reason I was there was because um, LG were launching their new lineup for this year, new TV lineup, well, the new AV lineup actually. So it was not, not just TVs, but there were also various other AV products. Um, and I've got to say that since I was there, which was last Tuesday, I think there's been quite a lot of confusion uh, online, uh, which I don't think LG have helped with, um, because they haven't exactly been forthcoming with info. Or if they have been, it's been quite contradictory information. Certainly when I was there, on Tuesday, we went into the um, the main sort of display area they had in at Mercedes World, and there was a big bank of OLED televisions. It, it was the EC nine thirty V, which is the TV that we reviewed towards the end of last year. The fifty five inch Full HD OLED. So They had a bank of those on display, and that will continue to be available this year, apparently. So you can still buy that currently. They also had the sixty uh, five inch EC nine seventy V, which is the four K OLED television that we saw. Uh, at their offices in Slough, back at the end of September,
0: uh, I believe we discussed that on a podcast back then, didn't we?
2: Yes, they were. Now they announced they, they showed it to us and then said it would be available before Christmas in the UK. Obviously, we are now into March. We've seen no sight nor sound of this television. Um, it was originally priced, or rumored to be priced at five nine nine nine. They said at the at the um, event last week that it will be actually be nearer six and a half grand. So it's going to be about six four nine nine for this sixty five inch four K OLED TV, which um, has already been available in Korea and in America, and will be available in the UK. They claim um, they told me at the end of April. Um, there have been other people saying in March to April. They said to me, "I said, well, when will it, be, will it be available really, really in stores?" He said, "End of April." you um, also said at the same time selected retailers and all that means if that means it's <laughs> going to be available in Harrods that does not in my book count as being available to the general public anyway that's going to be available there is also um, certainly on their website and also mentioned um, on some of the european uh, events the eg that's the 55 eg uh, 960v which is their 55 inch 4k oled now when i asked them about that they said There would be a 4K OLED available uh, in this third quarter and a price that would be comparable to where the current 55 inch full HD OLED is, which is about two and a half grand. So, if you're looking at sort of two and a half to three grand 4K OLED, 55 inch, that's a pretty good price. Now, um, other people have been saying that they're they're going to launch um, the um, EG960V in sort of March, April which Kind of makes you think why are they still running the foot full? They've got the full HD, they've got this coming out, they're going to have something at EFA. I don't know. I've asked them to clarify, they haven't answered that question. I've asked them two very similar questions when is the 65 inch coming out, and how much will it cost, and where can you buy it? And when is the 55 inch coming out, how much will it cost, and where can you buy it? That seems pretty straightforward question to me, but they've been unable to answer that. Uh, have I had to take a but here, I would say that we'll probably see the 65-inch 4K LED in very limited numbers at very selected retailers at the end of next month um, for six and a half grand. But you're not going to really see it. It's not going to be a real product in any way or shape or form. And we'll more likely see them do a big launch of the 55-inch at EFA when they've got significant numbers of product to sell. I think the problem is that they were claiming they've, they've, they've kind of made big gains in terms of actually being able to produce uh, viable yields of, of the OLED panels, which hopefully is true because we all love OLED and I want it to be a success. Um, but they need to build up um, stocks. I mean, and that's certainly going to, you know, if they're having trouble making uh, units for themselves, that certainly means that other manufacturers who are thinking of using their panels to make their own 4K OLEDs are going to have problems too. Uh, and I noticed that a company like Panasonic, who were at one point quite bullish about getting a TV out this year, seemed to be slipping into next year now. So all I can say is, you know, if, anyone's, if anyone starts saying we're going to start seeing loads of OLED, 4 OLEDs in the shops ne- this month or next month, I would take a serious reality check. I don't think that's going to be the case. I just can't see it happening. I hope it does, but I'd be very surprised.
1: Shame, but I don't disagree.
2: You know, I just, the thing is that you know LG have spoken a lot about, you know, I've been to, well, where did we go to the Monaco launch? Three years ago, wasn't it? Three years in May. Uh, and since then, I've probably been told about 10 different models, but I've seen two. You know, so I, I take everything I say with a big pinch of salt now and I say, well, when it's in the stores, when we've got a review sample in. I mean, obviously, I'm very, you know, I'm a massive fan of OLED. I think it's, it, for me, it, without doubt, it's the technology of the future. It's, you know, I want it to be a huge success. I want them to be able to make them in large numbers and get the prices down and make it a mass market product. But there's a lot of, um, I think, a lot of, um, you know, stalling here at the moment while they well, try. Well, th- there, there is
0: that. Them. But at the same time, Steve, we live in uh, we live in an internet obsessed world where mm. everything has to happen yesterday and people get very impatient very quickly especially on our forums and i love our forums but there are people on our forums who do take things too seriously all the comments and threads and oh this will never happen that will never happen yes there's been delays it's a brand new technology and there's only one company pumping money into it and that's lg yeah. at the minute so you know so,
2: and we should at least be grateful for them for doing that i mean i'm not knocking lg here at least they're doing that Uh, I just think maybe they should be a bit more honest. I mean, it's difficult there because you don't want to be too honest because at the same time you've got people like uh, Samsung or any other manufacturers who are, say, for example, doing curved screens, which is obviously something that was initially being done only with OLED screens, plus pushing LED LCD technology to the limits of what it's capable of doing. And I have to say, based on what I've seen so far, producing some extremely good televisions in the process. Yes,
0: but, but like the Apple Watch, seriously overpriced. Uh,
2: well, certainly the uh, 9500 is. The 9000, I think, will be a more, more, slightly more realistic price for a, um, for a flagship TV, um, which is what I've got in at the moment. And that's essentially the same as the 9500, except it doesn't have the full direct array ray backlight um, and the chamfered bezel. That's about the only two, oh, no built-in camera. Those are the only differences that I can see. Otherwise, it's basically the same TV. So you will be able to get uh, a slightly cheaper version. Uh, with all the benefits, you know, of HDR and 10-bit video and the wider well, color space. Well, you see, that was
0: that was something you, that um, you said LG were were pretty quiet on, and that was the whole yes, HDR sorry, I, 10-bit I get onto, video. And- that's the OLED
2: side of things. Um, not much news there, in all honesty, at the moment, as, as far as I can tell. Hopefully, we'll get more as as the year goes on. But right now, from what they had, what they what I saw, and what they told me, at the moment, it's 65-inch 4K in, in the end of April. And the current full HD fifty-five inch OLED as well. Moving on to the uh, LED LCD lineup, they had their flagship UF nine hundred and seventy V, which it is um, no nine hundred and fifty V, sorry UF nine hundred and fifty V, which is uh, Ultra HD uh, LED LCD television, uh, very much like Sony's um, X. Not as uh, it.
1: You're not going to get any help from me. X ninety. vi don't
2: know. Whatever they've called it, the one that's really, really thin. Yeah. Like well, well
0: it's it's really, really thin at the top to the at, <laughs> at the top five inches of the screen. Well the LG have it. got basically
2: the same principle. Their their new flagship is similar. It's eight millimeters deep for about two-thirds of the screen size. And at the bottom, obviously, where, where the electronics and the speakers are, it's it's deeper. Um they've got it so again, it's it's um the panel is, is sort of pressed into a metal backplate. Um I think they're basically sort of popping across lot of the technology they use for making phones now to make it these sort of very thin um metallic um quite, you know, attractive-looking panels with virtually no bezel whatsoever. But obviously, there's a lot of electronics at the bottom, and that's also where the LEDs are. And this is the same with the Sony. I think it's worth pointing this out, that the LEDs are in the bottom, so the, the backlight is basically coming up from the bottom and bouncing off, off the back of the a uh, uh, mirror behind the panel, um, which means that, you know, you do get uh, kind of columns of light coming up from where the lights are. Um, well, I mean, whether-
0: I've, I've never seen a a, a slim-designed um tv that hasn't had backlighting issues led wise um, no i don't know why they're
2: doing it too because you know one of the big things about oled is it's ultra thin because it's like three and a half four millimeters deep yeah so pushing to make L- L- led tvs that thin seems to be taking away some of the uh, appeal of of an oled screen so it's strange but anyway that's their flagship model it has quantum dots so it's got the wider color space but as you just mentioned earlier phil they were Pretty quiet on the subjects of HDR. They said they're working on that, but these TVs, from what I can work out, are not HDR compliant at all. They also didn't answer the question about whether they were 10-bit, genuinely 10-bit. So, difficult to say. Uh, I think the, the majority of early DLCD TVs that will be on sale this year will not be compliant with the upcoming 4K standards. Being,
0: no, because uh, it's. I mean, just look back at CES. I mean, the whole thing about HDR, 10 bit, wider color space, all the rest. It was to take attention away from OLED, and to get another year's worth of sales out of LED LCD TVs. Um, yeah. That's me being cynical, but actually looking at the market, that's exactly the way it's going because nobody's going to make the investment in in the new technology, which is OLED. So
2: otherwise, LG's range is. You know, obviously, there's the there's. Um, I think got they've got uh, four. So they've got the two OLEDs currently on sale, one coming and one on sale, four Ultra HD models coming um, this year. And they're planning on getting them into, into the shops pretty quickly, they said, this year, earlier than they did last year. So this month and next month, they should have a majority of the ranges in stores. Um, so you've got the, the, the UF950, the UF860, um, the UF770, and then the entry-level 49-inch Ultra HD 4K TV. That's the uh, UF675. That one, I believe, will not have HDMI 2.0, but it will have things like Netflix built in so you can still watch 4K content. So it's a bit limited, but then it's going to be 900 quid. So they're going for a sort of entry-level cheap Ultra HD TV. But 60%, over 60 percent of their entire lineup will be Ultra HD. So uh, like, much, like we've seen with other manufacturers, less and less Full, K, full, full, full HD being made, uh, mostly their products. I mean, I think next year you're going to see, what, 70 80% 4K, and almost no um, full HD, except maybe smaller screen sizes for other rooms like you know be- bedrooms or you know kitchens or something like that. But certainly, and also bigger screen sizes again. So a lot of the models, you know, sixty-five, fifty-five inch screen sizes, um, or they do go down as far as forty inch on Ultra HD on on the seven seventy line. So um, I don't know how That'd much be benefit worth. you're going to get out of a forty inch screen, but uh, there you go. Um, They also had some of their AV stuff online on the show, so um, soundbars, wireless speakers, multi-room speakers, uh, and a a Blu-ray player, Um, and there'll be a bigger launch of their multi-room system in the summer.
0: It's surprising it's just one Blu-ray player
2: this year. Well, that was, I I thought, blimey, that's a sign of the times, isn't it? Really, it really is. That either means Blu-ray is just gradually being phased out as far as the manufacturers are concerned, or they're hopefully going to do something with 4K Blu-ray towards the end of this year, beginning of next year, but... um, yeah, just the one Blu-ray model we saw. So, and I'm trying to think: were there many? Uh, there weren't any. There weren't many at the Panasonic convention either, were there?
0: I was. I'm just racking my brains. Um, I can't remember seeing any. I remember seeing yeah, a couple. There some there, but, but
2: nothing that we hadn't. Yeah, there was. I think they had um, maybe one but, or two. models. hang
1: on, hang on a second. Let's be pragmatic here. Unless your Blu-ray player has broken, why would you possibly need another one? No, you don't need another one. Obviously, yeah,
2: <laughs> but, uh, just,
1: everyone just, everyone just, there was literally. We we have established beyond reasonable doubt that ultimately they all have fundamentally the same picture quality when it comes to to, to, mm-hmm. to Blu-ray without processing on. Yep. So you're talking bells and whistles. I haven't seen any new bells or whistles being added to these things. Certainly at the sort of standard, you know, low to mid price range. Price points, so why would you bother? The, the manufacturers have responded to the fact they have nothing; they bring well, nothing new see, to the, the table. I think so. Um, this is literally just a these are stop these are place placeholders for people that inadvertently need one through theft, loss, or stupidity.
0: Well, there, there is that, but there's also, um, I mean, some manufacturers have have really been pushing out the boat, like uh, Panasonic having um, full streaming capability, uh, adding other components in there, and blah blah blah. So it's not just a Blu-ray player. Um, so but again
1: that's been do- that that's been happening for a couple of years it's come down in price a bit I mean obviously the the original sort of drivers for that were, were oppo and 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 so on and so forth but again it I, th- I would argue if you wanted that functionality you'd probably have it already probably so again I, I just it from a from a manufacturer's perspective I, I you know I'm in many ways delighted that LG went to the effort of doing one
2: it was little rinky-dink one too. That, but the, I think the reason it was there was because it ties in with their um, ties in with their multi-room system and, and that kind of stuff, which I guess is the only new bell and whistle they could add. Indeed, there you go.
0: And notice, there wasn't, um, or it certainly didn't come across in your coverage, much in the way of WebOS uh, talk, of they?
2: No. Well, it's funny because we we got a, a demo of WebOS uh, at CES. We had a similar demo um, again uh, from Darren at, at this event, and he yeah you know, he based it. Yeah. It's basically the same Uh, there's some minor tweaks here and there but it's essentially the same system and i guess that that that, what that does is reflect on how good WebOS was to begin with i mean it was it was a great system straight out of the out of the out of the gates um if it ain't broke don't fix it so there wasn't very little they could do to make it better they have me a few tweaks here and there but essentially it's the same platform um and and yeah like i said it's a great system so what could you really do to improve it really
1: Well, Speaking of of out-of-date in six months, isn't this a neat segue to...
0: Yeah, the Apple Watch. Christ, we had to wait long enough. Um, Some nice new MacBook Air there, Steve. I don't know if you've had a look at it, but it looks absolutely gorgeous. Really nice notebook. So we had to go through all of that, and uh, I think it was about 50 or 55 minutes into the press conference before. uh, We got to see the Apple Watch. Now, you need an iPhone 5 or above uh, to use it. Uh, You have to have your phone with you. Uh, They're saying 16 to 18 hours battery charge. That ain't going to last that long. Uh, You're going to have to charge it every day. And uh, starting price is, I think...
1: Uh, I'm trying to work it out. I'm looking at our own place had... 350 bucks, approximately 230 pounds. It'll be three different collections. Watch, Watch Sport, and Watch Editions.
0: Watch Editions, that's eight grand.
1: Yeah, essentially, the watch editions is if you like, it's a it's a wonderful litmus test for people around you, Um, and fundamentally, if you're friends with someone that buys uh, an editions Apple Watch, you know that they are probably probably not worth retaining the friendship of. Ultimately, it's a big deal to spend that much money on any watch. To spend it on a watch with these basic limitations as a timepiece, and that has let's not beat around the bush. Been designed by the company that pretty much pioneered planned obsolescence. You'd have to. I mean, I, I don't. I mean, you know, I have, I have some understanding of uh, of, of of narcotics, and I, I still don't know which ones you'd have to be on before this is a good idea.
0: The most expensive. If you do
1: think it's a good idea, please feel free to get in touch. Um, just just from a respectable distance.
0: The the most expensive is thirteen thousand five hundred pounds for a watch. Steve, just think of how many bananas you could buy for that.
2: Yeah, you get a lot of bananas for that, can you? Uh, it's, uh, but then, Look, j- it's, I'm a more
1: present. No, you,
0: you can, can get a really really good
2: watch for thirteen for that. grand that will last you for uh, a lifetime, rest of your life. Yeah, yeah, rest of your life. A really classic Patek Philippe or something really, yeah, a really nice timepiece. Uh, why you'd want to spend that on something that's going to a battery won't last a day, and b will be you know obsolete, obsolete in in three or four years time, six months is beyond me. But uh, you know, and I'm a, I like Apple stuff, but that's just ridiculous. But I guess that's catering to a very specific and very small part of the market. <laughs> I, I, don't see, I, I don't think it's worth £249. You know, I think I've got a watch. Um, I've got a phone. <laughs> uh, I don't look at the phone very often anyway. I don't get that many texts and phone calls. I don't really care. Um, <laughs> you know, but no, I don't think I'm... I mean, if I need to know the time I look at my wrist, i just, what's the point?
1: I suspect that they'll sell a great many of them. What I think might be more interesting is I'd, I'd be prepared to wager that the next range of them will be substantially smaller in number and I think it's a one-time only thing unless zero point energy is cracked and these things can behave in something approaching the way of a normal watch in terms of the lifespan they are their trinkets they're toys for people that have nothing better yeah. to do I
0: mean you've got to look at it Ed. I mean they only sold 700 million iPhones up until this week so um, this this is a good way to shift even more iPhones because you need an iPhone 5 or above uh, before you can even use the thing. So if you want an, uh, an Apple Watch and you ain't got an iPhone 5 or above, well, you're going to have to buy another they do need to have the advantage well.
1: of a good installed user base. And I don't doubt, uh, you know, I need to be clear on that. I don't doubt that it, if you really genuinely believe that functionality that a smartwatch offers is of use to you, this will be the best one at doing it. But, I mean, this may be a sign of me getting old. I don't need that functionality. I don't need another device in my life that needs to be charged daily. Um, I and I just can't bring you know. Again, maybe it's an age thing, but even you know, three hundred and fifty bucks on something which will be utterly obsolete.
0: I mean, for me, it was more of a fat thing than an age thing. Ed, yeah, I don't want a watch telling me that I've been sitting down too long. And well, no, this is I true. To actually, run up a hill You, you and... would probably
1: probably start summoning the emergency services in my case, <laughs> but. That those are those are trinkets. Those are I, if the, if you can't turn them off, that's just remedial. But um, I just know I don't I don't and uh, you know I suppose there is differentiation and there is the halo product effect from making these additions ones. But if you are seriously considering spending the list price on an editions watch, please, for the love of whatever deity or not you may have some vested interest in, go and talk to a proper jeweler. Go and spend an afternoon seeing what other options are available for the same money, and then reconsider the 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 the, the, app, the Apple Watch.
0: That was very noble of you, but nobody's gonna nobody's gonna listen. Not that demographic. They're gonna go and buy it.
1: Well, they won't buy the additions ones. I mean, the the cross the Venn diagram of 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 people that. I, 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 as I say, I seen they have a Halo product role. They can be shipped into certain locations, Harrods, and everyone mm. can go, "Oh, look at that. It's a you know, it's a two hundred and fifty pound no, no watch doubt. wrapped in a stupid case. I have mm-hmm.
0: no doubt Stephen Fry will have one. <laughs> yeah, they'll him. give him one, so
2: it's not <laughs> quite the same, is it? If they give me one, I'll I'll use the bugger, but you know, I'm not gonna pay for it.
1: If they give me one, I'll melt it down.
0: <laughs> <laughs> if they give me one, I'll sell it on eBay. <laughs> no, underclassified Steve yeah that's what i would actually
1: <laughs> turn it into a Kruger
0: rand, and then you know just deal, <laughs> deal with the rest of it somewhere else treat it for some bananas
1: i don't know their, their plant obsolescence is pretty high unless you really are going for it food wise you can't even make booze out of bananas can you
2: not? Well, you can, really de, de, you can make you can make booze out of anything. You can can't make you?
1: creme de banane, but that requires a number of other another number of other bits and bobs to actually be of any use. And at the end of it, it's still creme de banana. It, it, that used to be in our horrible drinks cabinet at university of stuff that you just consumed for bets, dares, and when there was literally nothing else. It
2: was like the stuff in your, your parents' drinks cabinet. There was always those drinks. No, no,
1: floor. no. We used to, when we would go, on, you know, go on holiday or whatever, you'd come back clutching the worst thing you could find. And we just accrued uh, a, a particularly magnificent cabinet of horror. Say so it's creme de <laughs> banane, um, some sort of pre-mixed eggnog. That was pretty revolting. <laughs> yeah.
2: And the car used to sit in my parents' yeah.
1: For Christmas um, to
2: Christmas, the same bottle will be in the corner of the drinks cabinet, never being touched. And I was always fascinated by this yellowy substance. I thought, what is it?
1: Puss. Um, but yeah, it's, <laughs> uh, it's so uh, it's it's the same same basic principle. Bananas bananas are not a good booze base. Contain a load of apples, on the other hand. You're laughing, you yeah. know. Good good, bust load of cider and then a bit of Calvados to to round up. Ah, you see, this, this
0: is your investment banking past coming back to haunt you here stevie went for bananas and it should have been apples well no no, because i wasn't thinking of making
2: it into alcohol (laughs) that's because you're right the monkeys doing them when they take over the planet (laughs) (laughs)
0: um we need to plug the upcoming games podcast Uh, that is coming up this weekend Uh, so there's no mark on the podcast we've got no games news um but the games podcast is coming it should be this saturday that's the 14th of March if uh, gaming is your thing uh, don't forget to download that right let's move on quickly and we're going to do movie news next right Steve did you um, did you actually go to the cinema this week yes I could be asked to go to the cinema this
2: week right uh, okay. in fact not only did I go to the cinema this week I saw two films that I I, I really enjoyed I, it was good it was a good weekend um, One was what have, have you done
1: with the real Stephen
2: Withers <laughs> As Lord Kill the Messenger, which is the new film starring Jeremy Renner, better known perhaps as Hawkeye, um, from the Avengers, or possibly as Matt Damon's substitute in the Bourne movies. Or the bad guy in SWAT. (laughs) Is he the the bad guy in SWAT? He is. I haven't seen SWAT in so many years, I can't remember. I thought, is it Jeremy Renner? Yes. Ah, right. Uh, Anyway, um, yes, he plays, it's a true story. It's based upon the the true story of a journalist, played by Jeremy Renner who um, works for the San Jose Mercury, so a small paper. But he's investigating various drug-related stories, particularly the way the government has a habit of uh, seizing people's property, even though they're not necessarily found guilty of any crimes, which seems slightly undemocratic, um, and gets a tip-off from uh, the girlfriend of a drug dealer who's currently on trial about um, government involvement in their their business. And and he begins to investigate it, and it becomes apparent that what was going on was at the very least um, the CIA um, was turning a blind eye to these Nicaraguan drug dealers who were shipping in shed loads of cocaine from Central America, and then using the money to fund the Contras fighting against the um, the Sandinista government in, in Nicaragua. In the, this is in the mid '80s, when at the time Congress had stopped, well, was trying to stop the Reagan administration from doing what it was doing in Central America. And the Reagan administration was finding any way it possibly could to circumvent that. And one of the the ways they were doing it was obviously Oliver North selling weapons to Iran or to raise money to use it to fund their operations in Central America, and particularly Nicaragua. And this apparently was one of the other ways they were doing it, flogging drugs into the States. Now, they've got some form in this particular area because obviously they they were doing that during the Vietnam War, shipping heroin out um, on what was known as Air America. Um, Again, as a way of funding their black ops, surreptitiously. So it, doesn't, it didn't come as a massive surprise. Now, at the very least, they were turning a blind eye. The possibility was that they were being actively involved in this and specifically selling crack cocaine into um, US ghettos in US cities. So in other words, they didn't really care about the fact that this of drugs, the drugs were being sold to black, black and Hispanic populations within America. So that raises the ugly head, you know, of of racism as well as, you know, being undemocratic, unconstitutional and generally illegal. Um, Anyway, he publishes a story and initially it's received as being like, you know, this great scoop. But then the sort of established media turns on him, um, supporting their friends in the CIA and in the government. Um, and he gets accused of making stuff up, and a lot of his sources, obviously, you were all drug dealers anyway, you know, neg on their stories and start backtracking. Uh, and, if, and, you know, and it kind of, the film draws with both him investigating the story and then the after effects of it, and, and particularly the way that, you know, it essentially destroys his life. Uh, I thought it was a great movie. It was something I didn't wasn't really familiar with um, until after I'd seen the film. I um, thought it was a fascinating movie, yeah, very, very similar in tone to a lot of the sort of 70s, obviously, things like All the President's Men also films like The Parallax View. That kind of 70s paranoia was very much inherent in the film. Um, Jeremy Renner gave a fantastic performance. I mean, he's a good actor. I mean, he's done a lot of perhaps less serious stuff of late, but uh, it's a reminder that he's a very good actor that's got a great cast, often in very small parts. Um, But uh, overall, a a really good movie. I thoroughly enjoyed it, and um, I thought it was excellent. Gave that, I think, a 7 out of 10. possibly an 8. I can't remember now. (laughs) Maybe it was an 8. Yes, I think it was an 8. And then I saw Chappie, which is the new film from Neil Blomkamp, who made District 9 and Elysium and has some good elements to it. But I've got to say, Neil Blomkamp is turning into one trick pony. Because if you've seen District 9 and parts of Elysium, this is like, you know, an amalgam of the two. Basically, I think it's been described quite regularly as, as sort of a Robocop meets Short Circuit. And that is a pretty good description of what it is. You know, it's uh, set in... Um, uh, in a year's time, in fact, so in 2016, where the South African police force in Johannesburg have been deploying ro- robots called scouts. Um, as part of their police force. And one of these robots, you know, uh, is used by the guys that, the guy that developed them uh, as a sort of test bed for a sentient AI program. So it's got elements of Robocop. It's got elements of short circuit. It's got elements of transcendence, which, was, which came out last year. It's got elements of ex machina, which is only, you know, only earlier this year. Um, and all this kind of stuff is jumbled together. Plus, it's set in Joburg. It's got large chunks of uh, District 9 in there. Um, there's, I think this is the third film in a row now where I've seen, you know, Neil Blumkamp deploy some kind of exoskeleton, you know, um, unit that looks very much like the Ed 109, no offence, Ed, um, no, two from Robocop. Nine. Ed 209, sorry, 209. yes, Ed 209 from Robocop. Um, it, you know, it's got some good bits in it. What's really good in it is the way that... Um, uh, Chateau Copley who sort of mo-caps and voices Chappie the way that Chappie develops you know, from effectively a baby uh, the AI evolves and, and grows and learns that bit was really well done and the effects and one thing Neil Blomkamp is really good at is, is combining digital effects with real world effects and that's seamless in it and that is really impressive. Um, it's nice to see uh, Hugh Jackman playing a villain for a change uh, that's interesting. The film's let down a little bit by the fact that two of the main protagonists are two rappers from South Africa who I've never heard of Um, they're not that they're bad performers necessarily but you just don't like their characters and you don't it's got a problem he's got a problem making films about unlikable people and it's difficult to empathize with a character if you don't like them you like Chappie you empathize with him but you don't necessarily empathize with anybody else in the film but his his development so it's, it's kind of like a sort of sweet Chappie's kind of you kind of like him. He's growing up and developing. He starts off as a baby, as a toddler, as a teenager, etc. And it's also got loads of violence and swearing, and 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 so it, you're not quite sure who the film's really aimed at because it's it's too violent and sweary for kids. But a lot of the Chappie stuff is quite sweet and cute and would appeal to children. So it's a strange mixma- mismatch of, uh, of genres, um competently made. But I think uh, he needs to start doing something different uh, he, if he's going to be doing a new Alien film. He needs a decent script, good actors, and he needs to, you know, get the hell out of Johannesburg for once uh, and do something a bit different. But, um, you know, if you're a fan of Camp, then certainly you'll know what to expect and you won't be disappointed. And I, I did enjoy large parts of it, but, you know, I felt, just felt like at the end of the day, I've seen all this before uh, and there's nothing in there that's new. Okay. I think Kaz gave it, mean, what Kaz gave it? Did he give it seven out of ten or six out of ten? I'd have given it a six out of ten.
0: Okay, cool. So uh, that's what was at the cinema uh, this week, and Steve actually decided to go. Uh, some bad news just breaking that we will bring you, and that is Sam Simon, who was the co-creator of The Simpsons. It's just been announced that he's died at the age of 59. Um, he had colon cancer. He won nine Emmys for his work on The Simpsons, and he was a writer, director, and executive producer. So, uh, he left The Simpsons after Series Four or the okay, fourth season uh, under That's a right. deal that allowed him to continue receiving royalties uh, as a as a co-founder or creator. co-creator. Fine, so well, Mr. actually, I mean, re- I mean, reading races. his reading his bio, uh, he sounds like a, re- a really nice, really yeah. nice guy who's channeled a lot. He's his career into charity work and uh, helping social causes and so on. Channeled much of his vast wealth, you mean. <laughs> <laughs> you are a cruel banana. You really are. Um, but sad news, I can't remember the last time I watched The Simpsons. No, I haven't seen it in years. Uh, much prefer Family Guy.
2: Well, even that's losing its. It is now. a bit, yeah. Like, I watched mean, watching f- season 10 at the moment, I think, or season 11, the most recent season. and um, It's got, got some laughs in it, but uh, you kind of feel like they're just going through the motions a bit now.
0: He's more interested in his film career.
2: Well, I think no one else is, though, unfortunately. <laughs> for him. I thought he's had to go back to Ted, <laughs> a desperate attempt to get some success. And it's like, well, Ted was great as it was, and it ended nicely, and it nowhere else to go. And now you're gonna, you've done, you've ditched Mila Kunis, and you, I, phew, as the trailer I saw I had I had shit written all over it, unfortunately.
1: Well, I mean, whatever sympathy. I have, ultimately, he has probably made enough money to avoid being out on the street for the rest of his days, so I dare say he, he will be alright, even if he has gone off the boil. <laughs> yeah, I'm not
2: particularly sad for Seth MacFarlane, I'm <laughs> just saying that <it. laughs> family guy's not especially funny anymore.
0: Yeah, he was a bit um, over-ambitious with his girlfriends in A Million Ways to Die in the West.
2: Manda Seyfried and Chase the Wrong.
0: <laughs> As if
2: yeah, you you wish Seth <laughs> so then again if you are writing and directing and producing a film I'd be casting someone pretty fit next to me as well
0: I'd have far more sex scenes
2: Fun, funnily yeah. enough the funniest person in um, A many Ways to Die in the West is Charlize Theron
0: yeah
1: I've never anyway, seen it so, anyway um, don't bother don't worry I wasn't rushing
0: <laughs> well clearly you aren't rushing now stream it it's probably the best way is there a particular oh.
1: streaming service you might recommend for me
0: to stream? There, there are numerous ed. Numerous oh, on the right, market. Okay. Right, okay. Really uh, right, coming uh, this Friday to cinema, Steve is?
2: Run All Night, the uh, latest action film starring action hero Liam Neeson. Because Sworn, once used to be a serious actor, but apparently now he's just happy to chin out one action film after the other. And as you said earlier, take the paychecks. Um, this one, I've seen a trailer for this one, actually, and uh, he uh, basically has to kill a, a friend of his son to save his own son, and the friend played by um, Ed Harris comes after him with everything he's got, uh, presumably in the course of a single night, um, uh, to get his, uh, get his revenge. Um, it looked very formulaic. Um, but that's opening on Friday. And the other thing uh is coming out is X plus Y, which is a f- I think, <laughs> and I must admit I know very little about this film other than it's a British movie with a, a really interesting British cast, including Sally Hawkins and Eddie Marzan, but um uh about um a young kid who's a, a maths genius. So wow. I'm guessing that's not gonna be rattling the box was, was math- <laughs>
0: Office this weekend. Was that maths or mass? Maths. Right, okay. Um
2: yeah, so my my, my on run all night taking the money this weekend, <laughs> but uh, those are the two films that are opening out on Friday.
0: Okay, and uh, Blu-rays next week. What There's only what? one major Blu-ray
2: out next week, and it's uh, presumably everything else is generally avoided this, this release week. But it's The Hunger Games: Mockingjay Part One, the uh, the prelude to all the main good stuff being in Part Two. I, basically, I don't understand it.
0: I, I don't understand the title. I mean, what what's Mockingjay?
2: Uh, Mockingjay is the name given to the Lee character in The Hunger Games. She's become a, it's a symbol of resistance against the totalitarian government. So she is the Mockingjay. Right.
1: So there you go. But okay. the good
2: news is the Blu-ray has an Atmos soundtrack.
1: Oh right. <laughs> right.
0: For all five people who've got Atmos set up. At and home.
2: interestingly, a DTS:X
0: headphone soundtrack. I'll
2: give it a go. Interesting, isn't
0: I've heard that about you. <laughs> okay, let's move on to some serious questions. Um, Ask idiots from Choco Bear. He asks, guys, what crisp can you throw the furthest? <laughs> I
1: think there's only one. And it, well, hang and on, because
0: this, this was posted. Uh, let me just find the time. This was posted six hours ago. So for six hours, we have been thinking about nothing else but.
2: Before we can even begin to answer this question, we have to establish what how you define a, ch- a crisp. Well, you see actually, this, for example, actually, I've is seen twigler, what you've, Is a twiglet a crisp?
0: No, actually, you've, um, let me just bring up the original question because let me just check it is crisp that he's defining here. Yes, it is. It's crisp that he's defining. But then he does go on to say, I asked a question at some friends and it got heated because does a mini cheddar count as a crisp or a biscuit? Well, see, a man, mini see, cheddar, I think that counts
1: as a biscuit, but yeah. Phineas Fogg Mignon Morso is a crisp and it's quite a dead flat crisp. Yeah, because it make them could-
0: round here, Ed. Just that like, will... like five minutes up the road to make that. Well,
1: I reckon that's that's where you'd need to look ballistically.
0: Meddamsley Road concert. For, for,
1: for a, a decent throwing crisp. Right, OK. That would be my vote. Certainly if we're take, talking about taking them out of the pack, because if we're keeping them in the pack, Pringles every time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, but it's just a bazooka, Pringles jar, isn't it? A well, tube, I mean,
1: you it, know? let's face it. You can you can get there's reasonable mass, some some aerodynamic properties, and and just a density of packaging which ne- very few other crisps can get. Now near. you
0: see this, uh, you know, opens up other questions when we're talking about loads of physics. You know, is this indoors or outdoors? You know, is there wind resistance in this? And I'm not just what talking are you proposing
1: about... throwing the crisp in a vacuum because <laughs> you can throw it an awful long way under those. Well, you can until you explode. I
2: anyway. oh, I can get that twiglet to go a f-ing long way. <laughs> <laughs>
1: And are you simply do it just an overarm toss or are we allowed to build some sort of ma- machinery with which to, to 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 cast the crisp? A catapult. You can build a twig uh, a, know, a crisp. Cast- I mean they're uh,
2: obvious so you can immediately make. a quaver, it would be too light. Monster uh, munch, they're pretty
1: big. Yeah, but they're yeah, not yeah, they're but again, the they're too late, the really they're not uh, very dense. A, a McCoy is a yeah. pretty dense if you went you know when you open the pack and there's basically, you realise actually there's just like two in there, but each one is the size of, of a baked potato. One of those could probably be lost to fair distance.
0: Well let's see I've got some in my hand here at the minute. Groove cut potato chips, spicy chicken, nando's. Oh god.
2: I know you like nando's Phil, but that's ridiculous.
0: Oh. Are you buying
1: Nando's crisps now?
0: Yes, spicy chicken ones. Guaranteed
1: contains no chicken.
0: <laughs> Check the packaging, I bet Congant. you it's suitable
1: for vegetarians.
0: Um it doesn't I say that anyway. Let me oh, Phil, was I with you and we're that nando's and
2: they said they didn't have any chicken? <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's all you sell. You
2: had one job.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, seriously,
2: we went to a Where
0: yeah. was that again? Oh, it was it was opposite JVC. It was at um, Red Cross It was at cross shop. Bread Cross, Center. yeah. <laughs> and we and we and we,
2: say, we came into the restaurant. And the woman said, "Yeah, um, sorry, uh, if you we don't have any chicken." <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> that isn't that all you do? <laughs> Why are you open if you haven't got any chicken? <laughs> and how did you run out? It was like a run on. Is that a run on the place before we got there?
1: very strange oh, funny, was, it's, it's, i mean I, I don't go to it i'm beginning cool, to think yeah. they just didn't want us there you know I was, I was i was so angry just annoys me i mean i went to a gourmet burger kitchen last week i'd go once every two years to remind myself Is of why i good? only go once every two years it's perfectly all right but it's massively there in no way shape or form does the perfectly adequate meal you receive coincide with the vast price they then ask for it.
0: Yeah, it's like the burger place, that gourmet burger thing. It's, yeah. it's like, it's just Nando's, but for burgers, isn't it? It's yeah. Same thing. Just um, replace the chicken with burgers.
1: Yes. Uh, and uh, for that reason, in so much as it, it it's it's a little easier to mess beef up, I have sl- fractionally more time for it, but it is nonetheless... Heartbreakingly expensive for what it is.
0: I think you would have to have the chicken on the bone to throw it farthest, though, wouldn't you? Compared to a burger.
2: Yeah. Are, I mean, are we throwing food still?
0: <laughs> yeah. We're just throwing chicken and burgers now. Yeah, we well, clearly
2: a drumstick. We we'll get. You can get some distance with a drumstick.
0: You? Oh yeah, you could get some good good spinach on that. As, as yeah? in spinning it. <laughs> on not Popeye.
1: It, the problem is that going into Nando's and throwing the food around—that's an expensive ballistics test, isn't it? It is and, a bit. Yeah. And if you get spicy sauce in someone's eye, you're looking at a, a lawsuit. <laughs> See, are we,
2: we're throwing these crisps. Are we just throwing the crisps, <laughs> or are we attaching the crisp to a rocket? Well, I can get cricket crisps it quite a long way if I, you know, attach it to some other device.
1: Yeah,
0: you could attach it, it to your to bananas. A,
1: to my, what what bananas? you're proposing? <laughs> your you're proposing bananas. to put the first crisp into orbit. <laughs>
2: Oh, I'm assuming that there's been a few crisps already eaten in space, hasn't there? I'm I sure don't
1: the know. Isn't it one of those foodstuffs where tiny little fragments in zero gravity can then ruin the spaceship equipment? <laughs> um, that's the bam. case.
2: How come we, we always see astronauts mucking about in zero G by squirting orange juice at each other? And <laughs> isn't that making a bit of a mess?
1: As I understand it, that's done in quite contained and controlled conditions. I mean, whether that also means that that's also the official crisp eating area of the ISS, <laughs> I don't know. I mean I would like the idea of there being a crisp module on the ISS. That would be fantastic. I just I am just just retreating into the crisp module to uh, to consume some walkers. So, yeah, that's not a <laughs> that's, even
2: what, that, that's what you tell them anyway, yeah. <laughs> I
0: was going to say Yeah, I was, was going to say there's more um, more manufacturers out there than walkers, but actually yeah Golden Wonder went to the wall, didn't
1: <laughs> No except that I was in uh, Morrisons, which is a grave mistake. Um, that's an aside, um, and whether it was new old stock, I don't know. But they were Golden Wonder
0: crisps. I uh, know the the were for a while in in my local Tesco, and then they disappeared, and they've never come back. But we've there had loads and before.
2: loads of crisp manufacturers though. Other golden Wonder,
1: would, Golden Wonder went to the wall because they were the most insanely generous company in, in it going. I mean, I I sent them a letter complaining about a green crisp. Yes, you expect like a complimentary one. bag. They sent me twenty four packs. In return. That like, yeah, no,
0: was was that not in podcast episode twenty-four, that story? I believe it, yeah, as I
1: say, I've dined out on that story for years. <laughs> Literally. You, you dined out. Eating the <laughs> uh,
0: right, so where did we get to then?
1: Well, well I, I think I, we were think trying to establish I, sorry, how you define the, a crisp. The Mignon Morso, if the Mignon Morso is a crisp, that's my choice. If it's not, then it has to be a big ridged McCoy. And then it's it would, be, it would be interesting whether trying to frisbee it or just luzzing it would be more effective.
2: Steve? I'm, hang on, I'm looking at mignon morsas because I've never
1: actually eaten them. They were very 80s crisp. Yeah. Well, you can still but buy least, them if oh, I take it. Yes, I think so.
0: I feel focus still around, yeah.
2: That looks like it would, would certainly, you could get some distance with a, with a mignon morse if it's classed as a crisp. I think it looks more like, it's more like a little garlic bread, isn't it?
1: Well, yeah, but it nonetheless is uh, crunchy. See, see, yeah. My ah, definition see that, of a crisp
2: is a potato chip. Is it a potato See, I don't think that's, that's not a potato. That's, that's more like a mini garlic bread. Mm-hmm. Um, in the same way that really you could say a Twiglet isn't a crisp. But it, it's a snack, but it's not a, a crisp. because it, A crisp, I think it has to be thinly sliced
0: potato. potato. Yeah, I think you're Deep right fried. there, Steve. Right, th- that's the definition of a crisp. Yeah, I think, I think you're right there. I think we've put that one to bed.
1: McCoy, in that case, has to be a McCoy. There's, there's, the only one with sufficient mass.
0: I'm going to go with a heavy ridged, crisp. Whether that's
2: one would, of would, these. would the ridge not though uh, ruin the aerodynamics in terms of no, threat?
1: I, I think that its lack of mass is going to, going to scupper it before aerodynamics takes hold.
2: Because uh, yeah, yeah. What about pre- pretzel pieces? Are they are they uh, crisps? Were they casters? No, because no, no, it's not If you just it with one bread it's not product, can't definitely saying sliced potato is the only way to go. Yep. Apparently.
1: Which yep. also rules out all tortillas. So the answer um, is...
2: cool. Uh, oh, a nice picture of... A Joanna Lumley. Joanna Lumley. From the Avengers days. But still. I'm not quite sure why that's come up on my search for Phileas Fogg. Actually, I've just seen it as well. You know, I've clicked what? on it.
1: More snack news, uh, but for some reason, oh uh, yes,
2: oh dear God! Exclamation mark.
1: I mean, I, I have to say, I I've never never gone to the business of choosing my, my potato snack on its ability to be thrown. No, I mean, I, I mean, if,
0: if we're going to have a food fight, you wouldn't use crisps anyway. You, you know, that's better. Well, you'd want something
1: which you could smear in dip and then yeah, would potato. stick satisfactorily to its its target.
0: Yeah, mashed potato.
1: Um, Yeah, I suppose. Although I, I would regard that as a nuclear option. You're leaving yourself open to having it thrown back at you, and that's just not good.
0: Okay, so I think
2: we've established that if it's... If, having defined what a crisp actually is, then the... What, what did you say, Ed? Uh, I'm the going for a McCoy. Mass, McCoy, yeah, a good call. If, however, and they don't specify the chips, crisps... um. Are still in their container. Clearly, it's a Pringles packet. Yes.
0: <laughs> yep.
1: Unless someone knows of a, <laughs> any crisps yeah. that come in a tin, um, I think they've pretty much got that got, got that down.
0: Okay. Well, it looks like we've uh, we've solved a few uh, you know needy world issues there.
1: <laughs> Actually, to be honest, there's, there's very little fat
0: on this one. Yeah, it um, was surprisingly on message when we asked them some serious questions. Yeah, I was a bit worried about that.
1: Well, I'm sober. I'm sleep deprived, and I haven't eaten recently. So, uh, whether that's the secret to actually getting me to focus on anything, I don't know. <laughs> but it's quite—it's it's possible.
0: Well, I think on that bombshell, uh, that is—that is enough for this week. Uh, my thanks to Ed Selly.
1: I'm like a bad penny. I always turn up.
0: And Steve Withers.
1: This is a new experience for me.
0: Don't forget you can also follow us on Twitter and Facebook bookmarkavforums.com for latest reviews, news and video and you can also leave us a rating on iTunes. I'm Phil Hinton, thank you very much for listening and we'll see you again next Wednesday.